listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. Well, good morning. It's the first day of 2023. How about that? I mean, a couple of more years, and Buck Rogers will be amongst us if you're from the ages, right? Wasn't he 2025, or was was he further into it? I don't know. But uh, I'm I'm waiting on them little little metal things walking around talking to us and all that kind of fun stuff. So thank you so much for allowing us to be gone. We had a great Christmas, good time with family, and just had a real great opportunity to get you know some rest and a little bit of sweat equity, some. Some fun time playing in the dirt a little bit as well, and that's always good to be able to do. It's all sand here. I, I got reminded this weekend or this past weekend what the Georgia red clay is like. It's very sticky. It's very hard to dig in. So I was thankful to get back to the easy digging sand. Uh, but we do appreciate that. Very thankful for uh, Mr. Anthony Campbell that came and shared on uh, on the 18th. I know we we actually worshipped with Rhett, our oldest son. He's so serves in a church that's about 40 to 45 minutes away from my in-law's house. So as soon as we got out of church with them, we flipped it over and we were watching him with you guys on the way back down the mountain. So that was a great day. Uh, Y'all heard him say he had never delivered a sermon before, but it didn't take you long before you recognized he's spoken publicly many times. So that's where that teacher education comes in. So I'm glad he had an opportunity to do that for the first time here with you guys. You're easy to preach to and uh, just so thankful for him. And then Chad, on uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, I know that that a uh, number of you were here uh, one of those nights and uh, either that morning or that night. Just very thankful for what it looks like when we're gone, uh, because if, if it all falls apart when we're gone, then that's a big problem for this church. This church can never uh, be dependent and reliant upon me, and I'm very thankful that God has pro- uh, given us folks that can uh, that continue right on while we're out of town. Now, I'll go ahead and tell you what we're doing for the month of January. It's five weeks. And I have opportunity to be in here for five weeks, but those of you who are a a part of this ministry, you know that come February, then I'm out of the office and I'm back there with kids in, uh, in the kids' ministry area. So I'll be back there with them the whole month of February. My wife and I and my boys, they'll be back there helping us. We'll be back with kids' ministry in February. But for the first five weeks of the new year, I thought, what, what if we could just look at some characters in Scripture? And I'm sure that you have New Year's resolutions. You probably have, have, have already written them down or you've got them. You, you memorize them because they were your New Year's resolutions for 2022 and you didn't keep them then, but you've got them again. And you already recognize them. Probably not going to keep them, you know. Um, but what I wanted to provide was maybe from God's Word, not New Year's resolutions, but New Year reminders. Some things that we can remember and be reminded of as we strike out on, realistically, y'all know, it's just the next Sunday we have. But according to the calendar and the, the way that our world operates, it's a new year. 
So what are some reminders? And, and I just thought, God, what, what are some of the characters that we can look at that maybe we don't often spend time looking at? Maybe they're familiar. Maybe some won't be as familiar. I think this morning we're going to embark on a character that many of you, if you've spent any time in church, especially if you've spent any time in Sunday school growing up, I feel confident that you are familiar with one of these characters. In fact, as we, since it's just us, right? It's just us this morning, you know. Let's, let's, let's learn a song that you probably didn't learn back there in kids' ministry, but that my wife and I learned at camp, and it's going to require some motions, all right? So let the kid in you bring the, five, uh, the ten digits out. So everybody show me your ten digits, right? All right, we're going to talk about 12 men. Well, actually, we're going to talk about one man. Man. But he was a part of 12. The song's going to tell us that 12 men went to spy on Canaan. And you're going, I only got 10 hands. That's right. Because the story tells us that 10 were bad, 2 were good. I'm going to give you a chance to try that. You might have to help Miss Brenda out, Herbert. Just so. 12 men went to spy on Canaan, 10 were bad, 2 were good. Well, what do you think they saw in Canaan? 10 were bad, 2 were good. Jordan, you know this. Some saw giants big and strong, right? So you got to, come on, don't be a fuddy-duddy. Some saw giants, big, come on, Ty, put them out there. You got the gun, show them. Big and strong. Some saw grapes with clusters long. Some saw God was in it all. Ten were bad, two were good. You ready? We're going to put it to, you don't know the tune, but follow along. Twelve men went to spy on Canaan. Ten were bad, two were good. What do you think they saw in Canaan? Ten were bad, two were good. Some saw giants, big like me, big and strong. <clears throat> Some saw grapes with clusters long. Some saw God was in it all. Ten were bad and two were good. Give yourselves a hand. Give yourselves a hand. Yes. Jordan Phillips, also, I should have said, a counselor at camp. He knew I was going to say big like me because it's been happening for years and years and years. So what's this story about? Twelve guys. And we're going to focus our attention on one guy. His name is Caleb. And we're going to argue today that Caleb was a man who wholly followed the Lord. As a 2023 reminder, the reminder for followers of God today, disciples of Jesus Christ, God the Son, crucified in our place, risen to provide our redemption, returned to the Father and waiting to come back as King, followers of God. Our number one reminder should be to wholly follow the Lord. We believe that Caleb is one who did that because the Scriptures, in fact, are going to say that about Caleb. Let, let's get a little background. We've given you a little bit of it in song. God had delivered the people of Israel from captivity in Egypt. You'll discover that story in the book of Exodus. The children of Israel had been in captivity, or at least had been 
living in Egypt and growing for a little over 400 years. The the people of Jacob came to Egypt in order to uh, uh, find refuge from a famine, and they just stayed, and they were there, and they multiplied and multiplied to a point where the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, saw that those folks were growing in number greater than we were, and out of panic, he needed to bring that under control, and so he brought the people of Israel under his slavery and began to build his nation on the back of Jewish slavery. God heard their cry, his people, and he sent a deliverer, a a human deliverer to to be the mouthpiece, the spokesman of God. Y'all know his name was Moses. Thank you. Brought the people out of Egypt, had some plagues that went about, brought them across the dry ground of the Red Sea with water stacked on either side, water which came crashing down on the armies of Egypt as they chased after And so now the people are out in the wilderness. They're working their way toward a land that, interestingly enough, centuries earlier had been promised to their forefather, Abraham. Abraham had then explained that when he was dying, that that promise was going to be transferred to his son, Isaac. And then Isaac, with a little bit of trickery going on, dismissed Esau, who was the firstborn, and blessed Jacob as the one receiving the promise of the land. There were other promises as well, but the land was where the people were headed. As they got to the place of, 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 if you will, just the threshold of entering into that land, which carries the name of what class? What is it? Canaan, promised land, yep. As they're on the threshold of entering into the promised land, you can turn with me in Numbers chapter number 13. We're going to discover in verse number 1 that the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one a chief among them. Now, class, remind me. Get my numbers backed up sometimes. How many children did, how many, how many sons did Jacob have? Twelve. These twelve represent the twelve tribes of Israel. I don't want to throw you a big curveball, but of those 12 sons, one of his sons' name was Levi. Levi's descendants were going to be set apart as priests, so they weren't going to get a land inheritance. They weren't going to get a portion of that. They were actually going to be set aside. So 12 minus minus 1 is what? 11. So God says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to set them apart as priests, and I'm going, to, I'm going to gather still 12 representatives. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take Joseph, who was one of the 12, and I'm going to take his share, and I'm going to split it between his two sons, whose name was Ephraim and Manasseh. 
So when you read Genesis and you're reading about Jacob and his 12 sons, you're like, I got different 12, and then I get over here to Numbers, and I get to hearing about some other folks, and who are these two folks? That's what happened. God said, I'm going to use Levi, and I'm going to set him apart as priests, as, as those that will minister as a, as a representative of me in the camp. And then I'm going to split Joseph into two, and that's going to be my 12. Does that make sense? Well, that's too big of a curveball. So we still got 12, and Levi set apart to serve as priests. All right, so the Lord said, now speak and, 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 and let the people know, I have given them this land. There's a lot of squabble that happens in families. When mama says to one of the kids, honey, I want you to have the punch bowl. I want you to have the punch bowl. When I'm gone one of these days, I want you to have the punch bowl. But then when mama's gone, you know what the siblings end up arguing the most about? The punch bowl. Because everybody forgot what mama said. We're arguing and fussing about And they say, she didn't say that. I I didn't hear her say, look, here's what God's saying. God said, I'm giving you the land. Is God going to change his mind about that? Are the people going to come up and find something and say, oh, wow, God, there's a river in the way. I guess you don't mean that. Is God going to say, oh, I didn't even know about that river. Yeah, y'all going back to Egypt. No, God's going to split the river. We're going to come into a land. We're going to see, you know, this great big walled city. It's wide enough for chariots to race around, and we don't have nuclear weapons. God, do you want us to turn around like, no, no, just walk around it, holler at it. I'm going to make the walls fall down. Because God said what he meant, and he meant what he said, and what he said was, I'm giving you this land. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to take one leader out of every one of the tribes, and I want you to send them to spy out the land. I just want them to go and come back and tell you what they see. I want them to scout it out, look around, and just come back and verify everything that I've promised to you, everything that I've said it was going to be. I want them to come back and just tell you, yes, we've seen it with our own eyes. Let's go get that land. God had given it to them. No doubt about it, no squabble, no fussing and fighting. The punch bowl was theirs. It was to be taken. Okay. So, verse number three, Moses sent them, the, the twelve spies of each one of the tribes, sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the people of Israel. So, each one of the tribes had Tribal leaders, leaders of clans, those, you know, patriarchal representatives, if you will. So Moses picked one of them, and he goes through in the next few verses, and he starts identifying all of the ones. So out of, out of Reuben, I chose him, and out of Simeon, I chose him. And, and he gets to, to Judah, verse number 6, from the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Zephuneh, is who was chosen. He was chosen out of what tribe? Judah. Interestingly enough, what really big-named king comes from the line of Judah? David. And who is a really big-named descendant of David? 
Jesus. Okay, so that Caleb was from the line of Judah shouldn't be overlooked. Caleb from Judah chosen to go spy. Now what you'll find, you, you won't find because I had to read it from somebody else. It just, it's hidden in chapter number 32 of Numbers. You're going to find that Caleb's daddy was actually called a Kenizzite. You know, what's all that about? Well, a Kenizzite apparently was a Gentile that had assimilated into the people of Israel, into the tribe of Judah. Very likely, Caleb's daddy was a Gentile that married one of the Judah gals, but not an illegal marriage. It seems that Caleb's daddy was embraced in. He was a proselyte. He became one of the people of Israel because he began to serve Israel's God. You say, can you do that? Do you remember folks like Rahab and Ruth, also foreigners? So interestingly enough, Caleb was probably from a Gentile line grafted into the Jewish people. Why is that interesting? I don't know. I just thought it was kind of cool that he wasn't purebred. He was brought in by God's grace. That just seemed cool to me. Caleb was picked of the line of Judah. The guys went. They spied on the land for 40 days. They looked in the valleys. They looked on the hills. They walked through the trees. They drank from the meadows. They observed all of the good things, but they also saw some terrifying things. Now, it's not going to be for you to see up here this morning. I didn't give this verse to, to the ladies, but, but let me just tell you what they saw. We'll get to it in a little while. They went up and they saw in the area of Hebron, what is they're going to call it Hebron, they saw these different tribes that were descendants of a fellow named Anak. You go, okay, who's Anak? Well, let's go back to Genesis. Genesis chapter number 6. There's a little story about the sons of God marrying the daughters of, of man and having children that were gigantic. Now, does that mean they were 12 foot tall, Marvel comic looking? Th no, but what it's saying is, is these were some impressive big warriors. They were the ones that you would talk about, these warriors of old with these impressive physiques and abilities to hold. We think we probably see one of these guys down in the Valley of Elon hollering at the children of Israel going, send down your best, I'll stomp him out and you too. And then God sending another descendant of David down there to go, you talking about my God? Oh, my God don't get talked about like that. And then God takes care of that big descendant, very likely, of this Anak. So they're seeing all the good things, and the 12 men went to spy on Canaan. Some saw giants, big and strong. And they went, what are we, we going to do about them? I mean, we're, we're not trained to fight. We're not warrior. What? We can't go to battle against them, and they're going to stomp us. Some saw, yeah, but boy, some good stuff down there. Grapes, big old things, and, and, and milk and honey. 
whatever that means, this is good land, you know. It's beautiful land and plentiful and bountiful. Yeah, but the giants, they're huge. We're not gonna, but some saw God was in all this, like, yeah, food or no food, giants or no giants. This is the land God wants for us. This is the land God's given us. Let's go get that land. So they spied it. And then they came back. Verse number 25. At the end of the 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. They came to Moses and Aaron, to all the congregation of the people of Ilderness in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. Sometimes called Kadesh Barnea. Let that little area reside in your memory. Let that thing just kind of sink. Kadesh. Kind of sounds like a vegetable that you would blend up and eat for health but not for taste. Okay? <laughs> Let that just kind of sink in your mind. This is a very important arena. Kadesh Barnea. Big thing going to happen here, and it's going to have incredible ramifications. But that's where we gathered up. The 12 men. Hey, 12 guys are showing up. They're coming to give us the report. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation, and they showed them the fruit of the land. You've been in Sunday school, many of you. You remember the flannel graph picture of the, of the two guys with the big grape cluster between them. They stick it up there. Like, Look at these. These are awesome. These are beautiful. And then they came, and they said, We went to the land which you sent us, verse 27, and it flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. You know, there weren't rivers of milk, right? You know that, right? No springs of honey. It's metaphorical. It's bountiful. It's plentiful. It's going to yield great crops. In fact, it already is because there are people there farming it. Which brings us to verse 28. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. And you can almost hear the congregation as they go, What? The descendants of Anak? Yes. The Amalekites dwell in the land too. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan River. Everywhere we turn, there are people. And some of them are really, really scary. Verse 30. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses. I, I'm just thinking that Caleb's... Didn't get picked to be the spokesman. But he's not hearing the things said like he's feeling them in his heart. And he interrupts and says, can I say something? Caleb quieted the people and said, let's go up at once and occupy it. For we are well able to overcome it. Now, Last night, a team that I follow rather regularly faced another team. And I think the team I followed went on the field thinking, we got this. And for four quarters minus about a minute, they got showed, you ain't got this. And by God's grace, and I guess just a birthday present for me, he said, I'm going to let him win by one point. <laughs> Caleb's not standing up going, we got this, y'all. 
<laughs> we can go down there. I, I know we got some plays. We can run on them. No. Caleb is saying, and we're going to see it in just a minute. I, I don't know what you're hearing these folks say. Let's pack up the camp right now. And let's go take this land that God has already given us. I see the looks on your faces, and it looks like you guys are getting as scared as these ten are. I'm telling you, you don't have to be afraid. We are well able, not because we're well equipped, not because we're well uh, 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 resourced, not because we have the know-how, because we've got the God who just thumbed his nose at Egypt promising to take us into this land. We've got nothing to worry about, people. Let's pack now. Let's go do this. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We're not able to go up against the people. They're stronger than we are. So they brought the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that, saw, that we saw in it are of great height, like the Nephilim of, of Genesis chapter 6, these sons of Anak. We ourselves seem like grasshoppers. We're just so small, we can't do it. And so we seemed to them. Then all the congregation, chapter 14, verse 1, raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt. You can just hear them whining. Or that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? You're going to have to go back across that Red Sea. How are you going to get back across that without God on your side? And they said to one another, let's choose a leader and go back to Egypt. What's happening here? Mutiny. Rebellion. God called a leader. Leader led the people out by God's power. Moses brought nothing to the table except a staff that had no power in and of itself. It's just a symbol that God used so that they would be confident in his presence. Brought them out of the land, scot-free, pockets full of gold and food and everything they needed and destroyed the army and, oh, by the way, erected this big wall of fire behind them to keep the enemy at bay, has been leading them by a cloud in the day by a ball of fire at night and has said, now let's go get this land that I've promised you. We can't. Go get the land. We can't do it. They're too big. We're not going. Mutiny. Rebellion at Kadesh. Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly. Of course they did. In front of the congregation of the people of Israel and Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Zephaniah, 
who were among those who had spied out the land tore their clothes. Why do they tear their clothes? They tear their clothes in repentance. They tear their clothes in agony. They are so sorrowful for the attitudes and the, and the thing that we're about to do that they tear their clothes to show that we are grieved over what's about to happen. And they said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, and He does because He's already said so, He will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. and Do not fear the people of the land. For they are bread to us. God will sop them up with a biscuit in front of us. They are nothing. We can walk into that land on the basis of God's holy word and accomplish everything that God has called us to do. Don't be afraid. Do not fear the people. Their protection is removed from them. And the Lord is with us. Do not fear. Caleb, contrary to the fearful spies of Israel, believed that God would do what He promised and give these ill-equipped folks the land that was theirs. Well, if you've been around church long enough, you know that ultimately they said, no deal. And God said, okay. Okay. But because of your rebellion, I'm going to judge you with 38 more years in the wilderness. You said, hey, wait a minute. I thought it was 40 years in the wilderness. Yeah, they had already been out there two years. He allowed them time served, thank goodness. And tacked on another 38 and said, oh, by the way, through these years, every one of you men of war, 20 years and older, the ones that could have had hearts after Caleb, trusting by faith in what I said, by the way, every last one of y'all going to die out here because I'm not going to let any of you see the land except Caleb and Joshua. Why? Because 10 were bad. Two saw that God was in it all. Let's go do this. And Caleb, the vocal one of the two, said, let's go get it. Verse number 24 of chapter 14, God speaking to Moses said, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit, a different attitude. He has an attitude of trust. Caleb's not kicking in the saloon door is going to show you what I got. No. Caleb says, God's going to kick the saloon doors down. All we got to do is walk behind him and it'll be ours. Let's go get this land, y'all. God says, 
I see that attitude. That's the attitude I'm looking for. And because you have a different spirit, a different attitude, and has followed me fully. Now, does that mean that Caleb did not sin? No. Caleb was just a sinner as much as you and I are. But in this situation, Caleb pushed all obstacles out of the way, would not allow himself to look around God in order to see the circumstances. Caleb was willing to look at the very big God in front of him and say, I don't care what's on the other side of you because you're between me and that. I have nothing to fear. God says, because you have followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went and his descendants shall possess it. Caleb, we're going to learn in a little bit, wasn't just 20 years old. He was 40 at this time. So he was 20 years older than all of the rest of the younger ones that were going to end up dying 20 years and over for the next 38 years while we're going basically around the bush to try this one more time. Because with God, God doesn't say, well, Okay, you've pitched a fit in the middle of the grocery store, so I guess we'll just, well, I guess we'll just have to pick you up and we'll just go home because I can't be embarrassed in the grocery store. No, God stepped back and go, all right, fine. I'm going to stand right here. You're going to pitch your fit, and I'm going to wear you out for 38 years, and then we're going to get what we need to get before we go home because God don't play that. We're going to go around the bush, and we're going to try this again. Keep that in mind when God is leading you in a direction, you're going, no, God, no, God, I'm going to do something else. God don't go, okay, well, we'll do something else. No, he goes, you quit rebelling against me. We'll come right back around to this same thing. You're going to have to go through it. No way around it. It's really hard when that means forgiveness. But that's what happens over and over again. Oh, we gotta, I got to forgive them. Yeah, if we're going to move on, you got to. At any rate, 38 years around the bush. But Caleb, I know you're 40. I'm going to let your family come in. And he goes on in verse 30, says, Not one shall come into land where I swore that I would make you dwell, except Caleb, the son of Zephaniah, and, and Joshua, the son of Nun, because two were good. They both saw God was in it all. So God judged Israel for 38 years, and you can read all about that in the remainder of the book of Numbers and uh, Leviticus and a little bit of Deuteronomy. But in Deuteronomy... You get a sermon where they've come back around the bush and they're standing maybe not at the exact same spot, but Moses is going, all right, y'all. God says, we're going to try this again. So let me remind you of all the things he said. And that's basically what the book of Deuteronomy is. It's like a, it's like a long sermon. It says, here we are again. And these things are all still true. And they're going to continue to be true. They've been true all these years. They're going to be true on the other side of this river if we get on the other side of this river by obedience. And Moses dies, and Joshua is given the opportunity to lead the people into, Israel, into the promised land. God parts the Jordan. They walk across the, the, the story of Jericho. The walls come down. Rahab was saved because she honored and believed in the God of Israel. And the people are, are winning conquest. And, 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 and actually, 
Being disobedient also you'll find in the book of Joshua. But when you get to chapter number 14, after about seven or so years of conquest and war and fighting and driving out the peoples of the land, God is ready to divide up the land between the families. Caleb, as the representative of Judah, gets to step up first in the promised land. You'll read and you'll go, what about those guys on the east side of Jordan? We'll talk about that later. In the promised land, Judah is the first one to get. And Caleb steps up. Here's what he said. Verse number 6, chapter number 14, the book of Joshua. Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Zephuneh, the Kenizzite, see there? He said to him, it's Caleb talking now. You know what the Lord said to, the, to Moses, the man of God in Kadesh Barnea, concerning me and you, Joshua? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. I told him what I saw based on what I knew in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. You're like, you bragging, Caleb? No, God already said that. Followed him fully. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said these 45 years since the time the Lord spoke this word to Moses. While Israel walked in the wilderness, and now behold, I am this day. How old? 85 years old. Now, we think about an 85-year-old with a walker or a stick or a wheelchair. But here's what Caleb said about himself. Verse 11, I, I'm still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for either war or for going and coming out. Now, the country singer Toby Keith has a song out where he talks about himself not being as good as he once was, but being as good once as he ever was. Now, I don't know if that's what Caleb is saying. I don't know if they're helping him up and he's saying, I'm just as good as I was. Now, I don't know. <laughs> Even if that's true, it don't matter because that's just an earthly circumstance. But I really do think that Caleb's been out there fighting and he's been calling them to arms, the little whippersnappers, get up here and fight these folks. We're going to win this land. I think he really is as strong. But even if he isn't and just thinks he is, it don't matter. Because verse 12 says, Now I want you to give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the descendants of Anak, the Anakim, were there with great fortified cities. That's the land I want. I want you to give me the land that scared everybody else 45 years ago. And I want you to let this 85-year-old man take those little grasshoppers on. Cause, and I love this, it's tongue-in-cheek. He, he's not wondering. He, he's probably doing this as a, 
a dig at them when he says, because it may be that the Lord will be with me. Well, there wasn't no maybe about it. God had said that land was theirs. God had said that land was his. And Caleb's just going, God, would you show these morons just what you can do through an 85-year-old man? Or maybe he'll be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Because it wasn't me saying it. It was him saying it all along. Then Joshua, who I think probably went, ha, 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 yes! You bet I'm going to give you that land. Shoot yeah! Then the, they didn't say that, y'all. That's not in Hebrew, but I just imagine. That's what I'd have said. Then Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb for an inheritance. Therefore, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Zephuneh, the Kenizzite, to this day. Why? Because he said it with me, holy followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Now, I find this incredibly satisfying. If you jump right over one chapter, verse number 14. Joshua 15, 14 says this, and Caleb drove out from there the three sons of Anak, Shishai and Ahimon and Talmai, the descendants of Anak. They never knew what was coming. Here I come. <laughs> but God took them out. Why? Because he said so. And because Caleb, holy Followed the Lord, uh, a fellow that I follow. Trent Butler said there's, there's two major points we learn from Caleb, and that's this. Life, yours and mine, in all its dimensions is to be lived if you are a follower of God through Christ. It's to be lived according to the plans of God, not the ideas of man. We learn from Caleb, we're to live in every aspect of our life according to the plan of God and not the thoughts and intents and ideas of humanity. No matter how smart it may sound, we're to live according to God's Word. And then point number two, blessing comes ultimately in our life to those who wholly follow our Lord, our God. Now, just so we don't get our focus too heavily on Caleb, a man who wholly followed. Understand that Caleb was just a precursor to the H-O-L-Y, the Holy One who wholly followed. Jesus wholly followed the plan of God to become human in humble weakness. Jesus followed wholly the plan of God to endure rejection and slander. Jesus followed wholly the plan of God to lay down His life a ransom for sinners. Jesus experienced God's blessing as the victorious firstborn from the dead. And Jesus calls you and me to follow him. How do we do that? 
John 14, 23, Jesus answered them, Anyone who loves me, anyone who follows me, he or she will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him or her. Whoever does not love me, whoever does not follow me, doesn't keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. How, how, do, we, how do we wholly follow the Lord? By faithfully and obediently obeying his word. Following the plan of God through the person of Christ in this time in which we live until he returns. How am I going to do that? There's so many distractions around here, the writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, of which Caleb is one, he's one of those witnesses that we go, yep, he did it. God was with him. Let us also lay aside all the distractions, the weights, the sin, the, the, the doubt which clings to us so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. How? Looking unto Jesus. The one who gives us our faith. The one who matures and perfects our faith. The one who before us endured the cross. Following the will and plan of his father. And is now in glory seated at the right hand of our God. Just waiting on the command to show us all what that looks like. For his glory. 2023 is upon us. Don't expect God to give you the wishes and dreams and desires of your heart unless the dreams and desires of your heart are also His plan. And what we can be excited about doing is adjusting all of our plans all of our dreams, all of our thoughts, and all of our thinking into line with Him. Let's get our eyes on Him, and let's be reminded that we are called to wholly follow the Lord. Amen? Stand with me, if you will. With heads bowed, with eyes closed, nobody's looking around. I want to encourage you. Find the Caleb's in this body who just can't see anything but God in front of them. Find those people. Spend lots of time with them. Let them pour encouragement into your heart.